This week on Inside Motorsport, we preview the Bathurst 1000 and have a look at Formula One as well. I hope you'll stay with us. Well, joining us on the show this week is Adrian Mussolino. He's the editor of VA, uh, of Supercar Extra magazine, as well as the Bathurst Supercars program, and also from the Adelaide Grand Prix well, website, fan pages, and with brand new calendars now into the third year of the Adelaide Grand Prix calendars, Adrian, and they're on sale now online at, at all good websites, you could say. Yeah, it's uh, adelaidegpre.com and on the Adelaide Grand Prix social media pages, all the links are there. And yeah, 2020 calendars, um, really cool panoramic shots from um, the history of the event around the circuit and uh, those um, in time for the new year. And uh, I think you mean 2021. 2021, yes. So I'm stuck on um, Bathurst. It was in my head this week. So 2020 is um, all the rage at the moment. Let's talk about the Bathurst 1000 because it has been an interesting build-up to this year, one of which has been the announcement that Super Cheap Auto are ending a 16-year association as the naming rights sponsor of the event. Yeah, it's, um, it's becoming a bit, you know, um, ugly. If, if you look at, you know, the recent launch of Super Cheap's marketing strategy for the event and, you know, basically saying that they didn't want to end the relationship they wanted to keep it going and you know that supercars you know has chased a deal somewhere and obviously um repco takes on that the naming rights from next year so yeah it's it's an interesting strategy it adds to the messiness of an already messy event if you like it's going to be a very strange bathurst as we know with the crowd limitations and you know ending the season for the first time in 20 years and all that and then on top of this you have this Name your right sponsor that's been there for, you know, well over a decade and it's, you know, ending not in the best terms, which, you know, it's not ideal, but I guess it's in keeping with the year we've had. With the championship locked up now, it does put certainly the lead drivers in Scott McLaughlin and Jamie Winkup in an interesting position where they can just try and win Bathurst. However, the team's championship is still absolutely critical and that sets up their 2021 season. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, it's fascinating that, you know, the team's championship is on the line at Bathurst, given the events of last year and the team orders controversy and and the technical um, disqualifications and, and qualifying and the like. So, you know, the, although we think of the championship as the driver's championship, it's the team's championship that sets up, you know, the pit lane order and, you know, the um, basically, you know, the bragging rights, if you like, and it, it's, it's a fascinating situation given the teams, you know, how they're going in terms of their co-drivers and their lineups for the following year, given it's really all up in the air with DJR Team Penske. We just don't know who's going to be driving those cars next season. And on the other side of the fence, the Chasers, Triple um, Eight, you know, they're, you know, a model of stability with their two drivers. Their co-drivers are the same. It's, it's the strongest lineup in the field without doubt. So, that sort of balances the equation. You know, that could be a real fascinating subplot come Sunday. Well, the focus has been on the two big guns in DJR Team Penske and also Triple Eight. And critically with Triple Eight, they carry the Holden Racing Team moniker, which will be the last time we see a Holden at Bathurst. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a strange situation because we have, you know, Holden's will be on the grid next year. The Commodore, as we know it, um, the ZB Commodore, which races this season, will be on the grid next season. So but there won't be any sort of Holden branding or the name won't exist. So it's a sort of odd situation that this technically is the last Bathurst to feature Holden, even though the same car will be racing next year. So it's a bit of sweet moment. Obviously, Holden is you know, so linked to Australian touring cars and Bathurst and it just, you know, it's really the culmination of, you know, we think, you know, a few years ago, the, the news of the closing of the manufacturing plant and the you know, end of the Commodore, end of the Falcon. This is, you know, where we were eventually headed, sadly, with General Motors. So definitely a um, big motivation for the Holden runners, of which, you know, they are the most numerous in the field. And, um, it'll be a feeling for one of the Commodore runners if they get the win for Holden. Mm. Now, if you consider some of the other controversies in the build-up, we do see one extra car on the grid. It's a team that has been in the championship before, Gary Rogers Motorsport, but the, they had to send their team up to, uh, the members of their team up to um, Darwin to isolate to be able to get to Bathurst. Mm. And they didn't have their second driver locked in until Sunday. Yeah, it's a very odd situation to confirm a driver and, you know, obviously he, that, that Nathan Hearn didn't meet the requirements for a super licence, so, you know, isn't able to race and it's sort of, you know, through the whole wildcard plans, you know, into turmoil. But, you know, here we are, they've, you know, bounced back with Jade Nojada getting that seat and it means that, you know, two Super 2 rookies, you know, making their main game debut and, when we think of Gary Rogers and the amount of young drivers they've brought into the sport, it's fitting that they've come back 20 years since they won the event and, um, you know, giving two rookies their chance. It's um, it's a great opportunity, especially in a year when, you know, there's been so much upheaval and turmoil. I, I didn't expect to see a wild card at Bathurst this year given the difficult circumstances. So it's a pretty amazing achievement in itself given that this was a team that withdrew from the sport at the end of last year. Mm. And for the first time since 1973, there won't be a Richards on the grid. Yeah, it's very strange, isn't it? That record is incredible when you think that 1973 was actually the first Bathurst run to 1,000 kilometres. That's how long ago it was. And, you know, that, what an incredible streak. I think I did the calculations today. I think it's over 60 race starts between them. I think they must have 12 wins together in total and, and an amazing record for a father and son combination that, you know, also raced together at Bathurst a few different times. So pretty remarkable. And you'd think as well, it would have been fitting actually for Gary Rogers Motorsport given they needed a driver so desperately if Stephen Richards, you know, could have made a bit of a comeback with them given that's where his career in the category started. And uh, unfortunately it wasn't to be. He said initially that he was retiring, but then he backtracked on that. And um, so we may see him back again, but it's an incredible run that's come to an end. And it's just, you know, it's again, one of those things, it just seems to be one of those bathhouse where these unusual situations are cropping up. As you mentioned, there will be a limited crowd. So 4,000 people allowed to be around the, the grandstand, around the pit straight and uh, the end of Conrad Strait, the beginning of Mountain Strait areas. No one on the infield and critically, no one on the top of the mountain. Yeah, that's going to be the strangest thing. I remember, you know, a few months back watching the Indy 500 without a crowd and that 
took some getting used to given the size and space of those grandstands. But this is going to be different because that's the iconic shot, you know, the helicopter tracking along the top of the mountain, the crowds, the flags, and that's, you know, it's, it's going to be unusual. It's going to hit home, you know, all you know, just it summarizes everything that's gone on this this crazy year. So it definitely will change the feel of the event, and um, you know we can only hope that next season the crowds are back because you know as as great as the event will be, and I'm sure it's going to be you know a great race. Bathurst always tends to deliver. It's just not going to be the same without the crowd there. That's what makes it so different and special to all the other tracks and. Yeah, it, it'll definitely take some getting used to. I think by even 160 first lap, we'll still be looking at it and sort of thinking it's just not quite right. Mm. Everyone is saying that this year the feels so good. It's such a, a fantastic lineup. But when you get down to talking to people in the industry, they still come up with the same three cars as being the ones they actually think can win. Is is that an unfair estimation of everyone else? No, I guess it's just the pattern that Supercars has sort of found itself in over the last few years. It's been those two big teams that have dominated. And, you know, e- even in this season, when we think back to the, the restart, it was sort of, you know, we had different winners and the tyre formats were sort of creating a bit of a jumbled set of results. But when the season, you know, really got going and the same two teams emerged as the championship contenders. So, you know, it, we expect those two teams to be fighting at most of the championship. But at the end of the day, there's only four cars from those two teams and, and something can happen. And, you know, we also have to factor in that the co-drivers really haven't had much mileage in any other racing category this year because, let's face it, there's been hardly any racing. So, you know, who knows? They don't have the championship, the driver's championship pressure on them, but there might be some rustiness that creeps in. It's a bit of an unusual situation. Let's hope for the sake of the race that there's other teams, you know, we've seen Erebus and Tickford, you know, even Techno Autosports have won both first in recent years. So, you know, let's hope we see someone that's sort of on the pace right away. Can you give us a feeling of who we can expect to see running up the front in those top sort of 10 positions uh, throughout the day? Yeah, I I think, you know, with the four cars from Triple Eight and DJR Team Penske will definitely be up there. As we said, pretty impressive driver lineups um, across those entries. The Tickford cars, I think all four of them should be within the mix. Um, they've had a pretty decent season despite the disruption of you know, 23 red withdrawing and, you know, throw Will Davison back in that mix. That's an impressive co driver to have. So I think they're your sort of three big teams. Erebus tends to you know, always perform at Bathurst. I've had pretty strong results there in recent years. So I think that's your top 10. Throw Brad Jones racing into the mix. Nick Perkett's had a great year. Um, Todd Hazelwood's really stepped up. That's sort of getting into your sort of top half of the grid. Kelly Racing, their first Bathurst with the Mustang. You know, they could really be on the pace as well. And really that mid-pack, it, it's really hard to see, to split. And it's a case of just who rolls out and is on the pace right away. It's... The great thing about Bathurst is they have so much track time that you can really sort of build up across the weekend. So you tend to see some entries that really sort of start sort of emerging and getting up the timesheets. And by Sunday, they're right in the mix. And with these new, you know, um, safety car rules that are in place, that's going to make it even more competitive. And if we uh, do consider some of the teams that we don't often talk about. Walkinshaw 
Andretti United, the team we call the footy club. Chaz Mostert has shown some great speed and it was six years ago when he stood on top of the podium. Yeah, absolutely. This is his first Bathurst in Holden and he won, at, I think, you know, what, it was his second attempt and um, he's definitely contender. And, you know, you throw Warren Luff in as his co-driver, that's a lot of Bathurst experience. And they could definitely be a dark horse come Sunday, you know, given his pace. They've been there or thereabouts all year and, Again, that's another team that have scored a few podiums in recent years and it's been the case of you didn't expect them to be up there, but they were at the end of the day. So, again, it, you know, it's hard to just pick a top 10. There's, you know, probably at least over half the field that, you know, could make a solid argument for a podium. Well, it is going to be interesting to see how it all shapes out. Who do you think is going to be stepping on the top step? I just look at the entry list and it's hard to go past Jamie Winkup and Craig Lowndes. That's a lot of experience in the one entry. Jamie really should have more Bathurst wins than he actually has. We know the, the misfortune he's had there over recent years. He hasn't won since 2012 there. I think, you know, him and Craig are just formidable. He's been driving really well this year, and I think they're the entry to beat. And um, it would be a fitting way for Holder to bow out with you know, two of the legends of the sport combining together for the factory team to win at Bathurst. And also, uh, well, Andrew Van Leeuwen reporting that after the Bathurst podium, or maybe even before the Bathurst winners are announced, the Barry Sheen medal is going to be presented for the best and fairest driver in the sport. Yeah, it's an interesting situation given that it's the championship finale. And, you know, as I said before, it hasn't happened in, in 20 years. So given that the Melbourne entrants have been on the road for so many months now, it, it makes sense to, you know, sort of wrap up everything within the one go at the end of the race and, and allow those Victorian-based teams to get back home and, and you know, have a bit of a break. So, Again, it just adds to this feel of a very different process, but it's in a way, I think it's a good thing that the championship, the driver's championship is over in a way because it means that the real focus will be on whoever wins the race. Because if you think back to 20 years, everyone remembers Darth Tanner and Jason Barguana winning for Gay Rogers. People tend to forget that Monks go find the championship that day. Um, so the championship winner inevitably gets a bit forgotten when they when Bathurst is the season finale. So it's a case of really, you know, the Bathurst winners will be the big heroes of the day, but it's also a chance to reflect on this pretty incredible season that we've had and the fact that at the end of the day, it's a remarkable achievement that it's going to be done to an adequate number of races and rounds. Mm. And indeed, we're going to see how uh, the whole sport does come together at the end of what has been a remarkable season. Now, just moving on for the moment there to uh, something you're very passionate about, Adrian, and it is, of course, Formula One. We saw Lewis Hamilton equal Michael Schumacher's Mm. 91 Formula One victories on the weekend. And as important as that was, all Australians were just happy to see Daniel Ricciardo on the podium as well. Yeah, it's a bit of a been a bit of a barren patch for, for Ricciardo since his move to Renault and uh, he definitely deserved that podium. They've stepped it up this year and again, a <laughs> weird situation that he's going to be leaving the team given their upward trajectory. It's um, it's it's at least he has that podium with them now and that, that that's a big thing and he definitely deserves that. But yeah, Lewis Hamilton's record, that was one record I never thought would be broken, but here we are and 
uh, you know, uh, at a time when Michael Schumacher's son is on the brink of joining Formula One and, and racing against the likes of Lewis Hamilton, who raced against his his father. It, it's pretty incredible that you know the records are falling and you know, equal in 91 race wins, and Hamilton's about to win his seventh world championship, which matches Schumacher's record. And you know, if you look at it in terms of most the number of races I've done, it's actually you know, pretty much on par. So it just shows that despite the different era, there's a lot of similarities and incredible parallels between the two greats. And um, yeah, remarkable achievement. You know, having won a race in each season he's been in, that's that's a remarkable achievement in itself. Indeed, we're going to see how uh, the whole sport does come together at the end of what has been a remarkable season. Now, just moving on for the moment there to uh, something you're very passionate about, um, uh, Adrian, and it is, of course, Formula One. We saw Lewis Hamilton eclipse Michael, or sorry, we saw Lewis Hamilton equal Michael Schumacher's mm. 91 Formula One victories on the weekend. And as important as that was, all Australians were just happy to see Daniel Ricciardo on the podium as well. Yeah, it's a bit of a been a bit of a barren patch for, for Ricciardo since his move to Renault, and uh, he definitely deserved that podium. They've stepped it up this year, and again, a very weird situation that he's going to be leaving the team given their upward trajectory. It's um, it's uh, it's at least he has that podium with them now, and that that that's a big thing and he definitely deserves that. But yeah, Lewis Hamilton's record, that was one record I never thought would be broken, but here we are. And, um, you know, uh, at a time when Michael Schumacher's son is on the brink of joining Formula One and then racing against the likes of Lewis Hamilton, who raced against his, his father, it, it's pretty incredible that, you know, the records are falling and you know, equal in 91 race wins and Hamilton's about to win his seventh world championship, which matches Schumacher's Record and you know if you look at it in terms of most the number of races I've done, it's actually you know pretty much on par. So it just shows that despite the different era, there's a lot of similarities and incredible parallels between the two greats. And um, yeah, remarkable achievement. You know, having won a race in each season he's been in, that's that's a remarkable achievement in itself. Of course, for Hamilton, we uh, are going to see him probably break that record before the end of the year. It's a bit of an odd situation because he actually hasn't confirmed that he's going to be racing again next season with Mercedes. It's, it's you know, expected and more than likely, but it's not quite announced. And there's talk of, you know, they have yet to sit down and work out the details of the contract, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a bit of an odd situation, but um, you'd think he'll come back. And given that the regulations are essentially staying the same for next season, You'd expect him to be the favourite. He um, seems to have the real edge over his teammate and it's hard to see anyone really beating him, especially with Honda, you know, entering their final season next year. They're, they're, you know, unlikely to be throwing a lot into future development. So all points to, you know, an eighth championship next year, which would take him past that record. And then who knows, he might decide, you know, he has other... Um, things to do with his, you know, time, and um, it, that could be the time he pulls up stumps. It's going to be 
very interesting to see how uh, all the machinations of this year's Formula One off-season do tend to play out because uh, there is just so much going on in that sport and uh, it's amazing that the amount of money is going to be there to sustain 20 cars. Yeah, exactly. And Honda withdrawing, that's a big, big blow because you know, if you, you take them out, you're suddenly left with just three engine manufacturers. And if you look at the Red Bull situation, they're scrambling for an engine. And, you know, it's, they've, you know, they're two teams, essentially four cars. So that's not a good predicament to be in. The talk seems to be that they'll do an in-house version of that Honda engine, but even still, you know, manufacturers have been the lifeblood of Formula One since it's the championship beginning in the 50s. So it's um, it's a very dangerous situation because, you know, manufacturers, as Honda, you know, explained, it's very difficult for them to justify going racing when, you know, they need to be going electric and, and hybrid. So it's, um, it's a very delicate situation, not to mention that, difficult economic challenges that 2020 thrown up. It's going to be very interesting to see where uh, Formula One does end up. Adrian Mussolino, it is a pleasure as always to have you here on Inside Motorsport. And just a reminder that the Adelaide Grand Prix or Adelaide GP uh, site is up and running and the 2021 calendar now available. Of course, the book we've talked about is uh, still underway and uh, I know that COVID-19 has affected the uh, process on getting that all together. Yeah, absolutely. We lost a few months in terms of um, we're digitising old slides and images from um, the Australian Grand Prix Office collection and unfortunately that stopped once COVID lockdown, libraries and service providers, etc. So we've... Um, we lost a few months there, but we're still working away and um, it'll just be pushed back rather than um, the plan to have it out by the end of this year. So, yeah, keep tabs on the uh, Adelaide Grand Prix social media pages and um, there's daily content up there to remember that event. Adrian Mussolino, thanks for being part of Inside Motorsport this week. Thank you. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.